Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. We are talking about the Word of God uh, because when it comes to our faith, when it comes to, you know, knowing as we've been talking about, you know, in the previous episode as well, just about it's the only thing that speaks to the reality, both physical and metaphysical. It is the only it is the only book that speaks to the plight of man and makes sense of where the world is and where it's going. And those things are all awesome. And I believe when, it, when we come at this, this question of canon, this question of scripture and so forth, when we come at it from a proper perspective, a biblical one, that's when we really gain insight. It's through God's word, what he says about it, okay? If I just go to Jesus alone, and if we start, let's start from there, and then I'm going to go to a couple texts. But Jesus alone, if I just start from there as to what the word of God is and why I can trust it, I can know without a doubt that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again on the third day. This wasn't something that took place in a private building, in a private room, in a private cave. It wasn't somebody looking at a salamander in a bucket. It wasn't somebody with a special hat. It wasn't someone with a special revelation. It was specifically in public. And I believe God did that on purpose. Amen. Obviously, special revelation is true. We're reading from it, right? Obviously, there's things that God can do. But he, I believe, did these things in public for everyone's eyes to see. In fact, when it came to the resurrection, not only did Jesus die on a walkway into Jerusalem, but when he rose from the dead, it wasn't like, hey, he appeared over here. And there's some ominous kind of appearances, but you're talking to somebody, according to the book of Acts, the first chapter, it says specifically, you're talking about 40 days, eating and drinking. Sorry, spirits don't do that, Jehovah's Witness. Evis, eating and drinking with them. I, I, I find it's for a reason. And that same Jesus who rose from the dead in public said these words in John 17, 17. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them holy. Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word, word is, is truth. truth. Amen. So if Jesus, the risen king, judges what truth is from lie by the word of God, then guess what I'm going to do? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just from, just from that perspective starts us, I think, at the right point. Before we get into the rest of the scripture, I think that kind of starts at the right yeah, point. Yeah, and, that, and that's important because when you understand the context of those words, right, Chad? What, when he says, thy word is truth, the New Testament canon has not yet been written. Amen. This is before he even dies on the cross. So he's referring to, at that point, uh, prophetically, obviously, he'd be speaking of what would be coming forth as his words would be written down. And, he, and his word was given. So the words he had already given, he's the word made flesh. That was truth, but they hadn't written it down yet. Who knows, maybe you know, fr- things were written down to a degree uh, by you know, some of the apostles at that point that hadn't been brought into uh, what we call Scripture, but it would be Scripture. His word is Scripture as soon as he speaks. What's written down is Scripture because Scripture is that which is written down, but his word is the word, right? As, as he speaks it, but when he says thy word is truth, he's referring to the Old Testament, and when you look at his teaching, you know, I mean, from the get-go, I mean, he's, he's quoting the word, as we, we mentioned earlier, in uh, the show or the last show, if you've, we've broken this into two by now, right? Yeah. Is it's interesting because uh, when he rises from the dead and they're trying to make, they're realizing he reveals who he is, you know, and he starts showing himself from the Old Testament 
and the hearts of his the couple of his disciples on the road to Emmaus are burning, you yeah. know, and their eyes are open, and he, he shows them himself, it says, in the Psalms, and in the law, in the Psalms, and in the prophets, which were how the Jews had, had basically outlined the Old Testament revelation in these three ways, and he shows them himself in all these books, and he mentions the resurrection prior to that to his apostles in regard to Jonah, you know, yeah. and he talks about Daniel, and he talks about, in, you know, uh, the abomination of desolation as spoken by the prophet Daniel, and he speaks of, you know, the first two, Adam and Eve, Adam that Eve, the yeah. two became one flesh, and I love that Jesus takes the books that would be the most attacked, isn't that interesting, Jonah, Daniel, Genesis, the foundational books, he expressly emphasizes those books because I believe, just as you were saying, Chad, it's not by accident. You know, you're right uh, that it's, 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 it's part of the divine plan that he would basically put his stamp of this is the word of God. Thy word is truth. So when he says thy word of truth in John 17, 17, his high priestly prayer right before he dies on the cross, he's basically everything he's already said about what his word is. He's saying that's his word too, and that's truth, and don't doubt it, you know? So watch out for higher criticism, uh, pea-brained, you know, so-called scholars, and I'm saying pea-brained, we're all pea-brained compared to the mind of God, <laughs> amen? Yeah. And that's what we are. I mean, that would claim to have a special insight that would overthrow the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Yeah, no, and, and that brings me right to what I was gonna say about Jesus' words, because I think that leads right into this, because you think about John chapter 15, you've already been made clean by the words you have heard. You yeah. think when Jesus spoke quite clearly over and over again to his apostles, I remember, you know, obviously you get into John and you have Jesus, you know, saying, well, you leave me too. He says, but yeah. you have the words of eternal life. Yeah. There is no Amen. more weight you can put to someone's words than eternal life. And then we have the New Testament. You have the book of Hebrews. What does it say? Uh, you know, that God spoke in past yeah. in many kinds of many two, different yeah. ways. Sundry ways. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. Uh, chapter one, verse two, right? Yeah, yeah think, through the prophets. Yeah, through the prophets. But now in these last days, it's spoken through his son. Directly through yeah. his son. And we get to hear those words, those words that, as Peter told him, have, you know, they are eternal life. That yeah. He's the one who has the words of eternal life. Amen. So when we come at this, let's make sure we come at this thing in a proper, even guys, remember, we don't want to have vain and bad philosophy. We want to have philosophy that's based on the word of God. And so when we come at this at a proper understanding from a historical perspective, from a theological perspective and a philosophical perspective, we go back to second, sorry, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the wrong camera, Tony's telling me. When we go back to this, we come at this at second Timothy 3.16. And I wanna start with the verse, and then we wanna go back, because I do believe the context, and this is giving away some of the presentation I wanna give, but I do believe the context of second Timothy not only gives us an understanding of what scripture is, because that's what we need to talk about, and we need to accompany this with second Peter uh, 1. We're, we're, we'll get into that, but we need to ask the word of God what the word of God is, because it's gonna tell us quite clearly. In second Timothy 3.16, it says this, you know what? I got to read 15. And this is what happens every time because I have, I have to. I can relate. Now, when you, when you read 2 Timothy, remember also, and, and put this into perspective as, as we get into this, 2 Timothy is a letter written by Paul, and it is, it is literally his, his last letter he's going to write right before he's about to be mm -hmm. poured out as a drink offering. Uh, Peter did the four, same yep. thing in 2 Peter. These are, you know, they're, they're living obituaries. This is their living eulogy that they're writing Obviously, you know, you think about Paul's relationship with Timothy, you know, the, his understudy, you know, Paul's his father in the faith, like th this, this relationship, 
And if he was writing a letter to tell him, hey, this is what needs to happen. This is what you need to do. There's something really, really important that Timothy will have to stick to. That's right. And here, here's what he says. All right, we'll go to verse 14. All right. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So the sacred writings, the wisdom, it says all graphe, all scripture is theanustas, God breathed or inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So I want to stop right there because just from those two verses, 16 and 17, first of all, you realize that verse 15, that this word is able to save your souls. It's a, we could go to Psalm 119. Just, just read Psalm 119. If you want to know where you should have, uh, where you should place the word of God in your heart. Yeah. I mean, Psalm 119, just bam, 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 right Circle in Circle the, the word, word and law, man. You'll get tired. Word, law, <laughs> testimony, writing, over everything. And over again, yeah. It's amazing. But I, I want to talk about this because it says that it's adequate, that the word of God is adequate. And I think that that should be our starting point that the word of God is adequate to do for every single good work. Everything you can do for the Lord, it's found in the word of God. It's yeah, you don't need do psychotherapy. You don't need psychobabble. You know, it's sufficient. And you're, I'm not going to get into the more because I want you to read it, Chad, and have it fresh when, when you read it. But what it says it does is just amazing because that's just the beginning. It's, it's sufficient. It's adequate to make us, as Chad's going to read in a minute. And it's, it, in other words, you don't need, I love Second Peter in um, chapter 1 where he says, uh, that he gives us all things that pertain in the life and godliness, mm-hmm. that we may be partakers of the divine nature. All things that pertain in the life and godliness are from the Lord by his word and by the power of his Holy Spirit, whereby we can understand the word of God and be encouraged to become more like Christ, convicted and encouraged and, and, and so forth. It, it's just so powerful. And if Christians could gra- grab a hold of this and realize, wow, man, we're sanctified. Sanctify them. Chad, you said, you quoted the part, we emphasize thy word is truth. I'm going to try to hold it with two hands or I'm going to start pounding the table. Because uh, <laughs> we don't usually have mics and that's going to actually help me with this little rickety table. But uh, when you look at that, you look at the passage and you realize, wow, the scripture gives us all things that pertain in life. The Holy Spirit, the scripture. Peter's talking definitely about the Holy Spirit there. That's the context and the word of God because later on he goes on to say, <laughs> which, I'm going to, which I'm not going to say much about this passage because I'm pretty sure you're going to get into that, yep. is that every word, was, they were moved by, by God as they spoke. You know That God used these the, the, those that wrote scripture and you look at that and you realize that you don't allow you know enneagrams disc and all these weird psychological things these are recent things that are in the church has been just all kinds of ridiculous things from freud and and carl jung and, and who was led by a demon called philemon and so forth that have been brought into the church in the name of helping the church and helping with sanctification but jesus when he says that word is truth he says sanctify them by the truth you know, there's an application of his word being truth is he's the one that makes us more like himself through his word and by the Holy Spirit, whom Paul says transforms us to glory to glory. And when we start to understand that, we understand that I'm supposed to become Christ-like and I have his truth. And Paul said we're to be glorified or transformed. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But in another place, Paul talks about how it's, you know, that transformation process that takes place in Ephesians and Colossians and we're transformed to his image by his word or by his truth and we become more holy because of his truth 
and righteousness, and we're made more like his image. So in other words, there's truth again. I like what you said at the beginning of this, this little series, Chad. You mentioned that when the church fathers were mentioning scripture, they're also recognizing by saying that, so I thought it was a great point. There's things that aren't scripture, and we have his word to sanctify us by his Holy Spirit, and we can never get into it enough because we're supposed to meditate on day and night. If we're doing that, we're becoming more Christ-like. We're fulfilling the purpose that God had for us as we have different gifts that God uses us as we minister one to another in the body of Christ and we, and we witness the lost in the world. To, so to go and say, hey, you know what? We need shape, you know, from Rick Warren. Or we need disc, you know, which is, you know, dominance and, and inducement, you know, and submission. And then the C stands for compliance. We need this philosophy. Or we need Enneagrams, which a lot of this stuff has demonic origins, which we're going to get into another show. We bring this in to help us become more sanctified. That's a lie. And what you're basically doing is a slap in the face of God saying his word is sufficient. And you start to rely on the words of demons because these things have been channeled through these folks, through different folks. Some of the things I just mentioned, which we'll get into. So when you put the word of God up here, which the Lord says in a very interesting passage, you know, uh, it can be translated either higher than himself, but I believe it's saying as high as himself because it's his word. You know, there's nothing higher than God, but there's, it's King, in King James, it has a, he puts his word higher than himself, you know. Well, he puts his word as high as himself. So as soon as, as, soon as you, Jesus is the word, the logos made flesh, right? As soon as you start saying, I need something else, you're saying that God failed in some way, uh, that I need this. And we're not talking about, well, you need a mechanic, you need a dentist, you know. We're not talking about, we're talking about the soul right here. We're talking about what God said is his domain and that we're supposed to watch out for and that it's, it's in his word. We're talking, I don't go to the dentist to tinker with my soul or my mechanic to tinker with my soul. We're talking about the word of God and nobody outside of, the, of scripture or that's contrary to scripture should we be submitting to. So it's not just reverencing his word, it's also recognizing that in not just belief and doctrine, but in practice, we need to rely solely on his word and his truth. You know, there's so much there uh, that you guys just heard. And, and it's, it's interesting. See, I'm so used to the camera being on my opposite side, so I'm looking <laughs> that way. But uh, it, it's so interesting. You went to Second Peter chapter 1, and everything pertaining to life and godliness that God has, has given us. And Second Peter chapter 1, I think probably, if you ask me, like teaching youth group now, I'm in, Tommy's here. He was there, you know, eight years ago or something. But... Uh, but, you know, I've probably taught on Second Peter more than anything, especially chapter one. And I love those verses. You did Amazing. an entire series through that. And then the backdrop, you have, you have the backdrop of God giving us everything pertaining to life and godliness and then showing us how to do that, making sure our calling and election is sure, all of that, is then in verse 16, Augmented. all the way to the end, yeah. to, the, to the end there, it's so, so vital for us to get this. And it's really cool because I'll be teaching on it uh, this weekend. So I'll be, I'll be excited. I'm already excited about, I'm always excited about that text, but I'll, I'll do my, my reader's digest version, or I guess uh, TikTok version. We'll, we'll try to be, you know, a little more uh, up to date here. But when we talk about second Peter chapter one, starting at verse 16, when we talk about the word of God, because people, I was just debating a guy the other night, we were sitting uh, at a friend's house, their uncle's not a believer. So of course they're like, Chad, come talk to him. So we started going back and forth and I was explaining to him. He, he was said, talking to Tony. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's talking about the, the word of man and, you know, man wrote it, you know, and I'm like, well, actually, you know, this is what the Bible says about that specifically. And a second, second Peter chapter one. And here's why it's so important, because if anyone knows whether or not the Bible was written by man and so forth, there's probably the people next to Jesus who were right there for all the things that he was doing. And notice that first John chapter one just is very clear oh, yeah. what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched with our own hands. They want to make sure like, guys, we're not just getting these ideas and philosophy from the world. Eyewitnesses. This, we were eyewitnesses. Trust, trust that we know. Peter does the exact same thing. 
And mm-hmm. what he does, I believe, is even more profound than simply saying, look, we touched and saw. Because he's going to equate it to something that people say happens to them still to this day. And he's going to say, what's even more sure? What do we have? Because what happens in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 16, is, is Peter says, we did not follow cleverly devised tales. And remember, the backdrop is God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. We need to make sure our calling and election is sure so we become blind and short-sighted, forget the purification of our past, our past sins. And then after that, we did not follow cleverly devised tales. So I think a lot of the backdrop is you can trust that God can give you all these things because he is also the one who's given us this. And I know it because we were not merely, you know, they were spectators. They actually got to see and be involved in more than spectators when it comes to specifically, he says, we didn't follow cleverly devised tales, but were eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses, amen. And they saw it, and he's specifically talking about the Mount of Transfiguration, where you have Moses and Elijah and Jesus shining like the sun in its strength. Like, we are talking about a radical event that takes place there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter literally talks about how he heard with his own ears, was right there, that God the Father spoke to him. This is my son. Listen to him. Guys, this That's is what heavy. he talks about. He says, this is the event I saw. Check it out. You can trust me because I was there for this. And it was an embarrassing encounter for Peter too. For him to recount yeah. it is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Because God had to rebuke him. Yeah, let's build some tents. <laughs> That's I, something I, you make up. Yeah. And I think there's something more going on there too. Yeah. Probably, you know, prophetically, you know, with the feast of. Yeah, exactly. And so forth. The kingdom and so forth. And, and he thought probably Jesus was coming. Man, that's for another day. But I think he probably thought. It was a picture they, of his coming though. And then happened coming right attractions, after, right? Yeah. yeah Preview of coming attractions. Yeah. Amen. And so we have this whole event and he says, but we have a word more sure. Now, try to get that in your head. We have a word more sure. And he says, the scriptures. The scriptures, the graphe are more sure. The ones we have right here in our hand are more sure than God speaking from the clouds. Why is that important? Well, for a number of reasons. But like I said, this is the TikTok version of this teaching. Because later, in the same exact letter, he would talk about the graphe, the scriptures, in 2 Peter chapter three. Yeah. And guess what else he put and classified as more sure than God speaking from the clouds. It's more sure than sky writing, more sure than God speaking from the clouds. He says, even the writings of Paul yeah. are more sure. Even those writings are more sure than hearing God speaking from the clouds. Right. And you're not going to see the words more sure in the text there, but Chad is obviously extrapolating from chapter one, yeah. where the scripture is more sure than even my experience. And he's saying, so he's saying, this is rooted in God's truth, and which prophesied the coming of the Messiah. So what he calls Paul's writing scripture, it's, it, you can make that deduction very easily. That's exactly what he's that's saying. That's in the same letter. Yeah, that's what we do later, biblically. A little yeah. Bit later. yeah, that's exactly what's going on there. And he says, which the unlearned, you know, uh, twist to their own destruction. And the word he used for twisting there is an old Greek word that had to do with making someone say something under torture by twisting their body on a rack and getting them to confess something that they would not normally say, uh, make things up just to get out of being twisted. And that's what the false teachers do with God's word. And so they, again, it comes to his word's truth, but his word can be twisted into lies. And Peter worried being concerned about these false teachers. So when we look at the word of God, we need to say this is his word, but we also have to make sure we don't follow somebody who says this is his word, but then says, but it really means this and departs from uh, the clear meaning of scripture and brings you into these weird false things. So it is back to uh, kind of interesting full circle here. <laughs> yeah. Canon, you know, yeah. it's a measurement of 
truth and, and this is how we measure things from from canon from god's word it's the standard by which we look at everything else through the lenses of, of scripture so it's just beautiful but chad one thing i want to do because we only have like seven minutes left or so oh. is it was my fault because i mentioned second peter prematurely and thinking you're probably we're probably going to get into that passage you know and uh i gotta wait for second and, timothy. and i want you to go back to second <laughs> timothy yes because yeah. i feel like i would be inadequate in pointing to what you last left off in that and saying it's adequate but it says a few more things about the word there yeah and i'm sure you want to get into that so let's go back there yeah I, yeah there's a, there's a, quite a few things especially because we're dealing with his the nature of, of god's word and i i wanted to point that out specifically because we talked about it being theonostos and as i said when it comes to the canon of scripture and the reason why i wanted to go to second peter as well and i'm glad that we did and we talked about what jesus view of scripture was i didn't even I, we haven't man we don't even have we're time scratching to the surface we don't even have time to go to matthew 22 now i really know i gotta be succinct <laughs> this weekend but uh. But, you know, what, what Jesus says, how he holds accountable, people accountable to the word of God, uh, all of those things. But scripture is scripture by its own nature. And I wanted to point that out first and foremost, because you could have all these historical arguments. You could have all these church history arguments. You could have all these, you could be like Luther, who he had what was called the canon within the canon. And that's why his view of Hebrews and James, he had some weird view. By the way, go read Hebrews and try to come to the conclusion that Luther came to, that it doesn't preach that Christ, you know. I think he was worried about, say, by grace through faith, and, and there's a whole whole thing there. But his dangerous view is of that's a why he did that with James view. as well yeah yeah back and by the way if there's a book in the New Testament that a, 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 a letter <laughs> written uh, yeah. outside of the Gospels and if you're gonna take two or three books that exalt Christ Hebrews is in that two or three easy yeah it's not close Christ is better than you know Aaron Christ is better than his sacrifice Christ is to whom the angels does it say Moses yeah. he's greater than the angels it's greater <laughs> he's he's the same yesterday and today and forever and one reason I like Hebrews is because it so exalts Jesus like no other book in its own way no amen and so like I said we can't get into all those but I think all it all of the bad philosophy and bad thought concerning the word of God is ended by understanding what God's word is by its nature because the fact is is that the second it, it, something doesn't become scripture and the church really, this is an important point to understand this, right here this is probably the most important point in terms of just a short answer maybe if you deal with Catholics uh, or, or somebody even non, non-believers is understanding wait wait why real quick would this be concerning regarding dealing with the Catholic because they believe Scripture almost the way they present it almost became Scripture yep. when bro. yeah that's true yeah the Council of Trent really that, well uh, this is if it wasn't for the Catholic Church the Bible wouldn't even be uh, no, people would understand this is the Word of God because we basically made the word of the Bible the Word of God yeah well, we gave no, it a table that's of contents, wrong because yeah. yeah we gave it a table of contents they believe that at the Council of Trent which is really a reactionary council to uh, the Reformation and they believe that at the Council of Trent and by the way still to this day in it's still part of the catholic church you are anathema if you do not believe first and second Mac- maccabees esdras yeah and, apocrypha and the apocrypha they they cast anathema if you don't believe those are scripture that's also by the way imagine that god nobody knew what god's word was until the 1500s when they got it when they finally were able to get this table of contents divinely given by the church right which lends itself back to the point you were making that yes. the word of god is by nature scripture right when it's written right when is, it's written that's so exactly go back to that right. point, bro. and and this is the difference and, I, and i've heard it said by a number of teachers and i think it's a really good analogy but the difference between the church being a thermostat or a thermometer because does the church decide as you with a thermostat what temperature you want to make the room or does it simply recognize 
that which the temperature is. And it's the same exact way when it comes to the word of God. The word of God, the second it is given, before the ink was dry on the gospel of John, it was the word Amen. of God. Amen. Immediately, it was automatically the word of God. Whether someone recognizes yeah. it as such or not. Right, exactly. Even when Moses wrote down, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the fact is, is it didn't become created when Moses wrote that. God had already done that. And it's the same thing with the word of God. It is simply what we do in recognizing yeah. that which is the word of God and what has the Absolutely. stamp of Theonustos. Yeah, and that, that is such an important point because, the, you know, not getting back into what Catholic, Roman Catholicism does and they'll be like, well, you know, a lot of the Roman Catholics recognized it, but they almost teach as though that's when it became the word of God or they make it sound like that, yeah. that we would have the word of God. No, you had the word of God, as Chad said, before the ink was dry. It's almost like this with the scientists recognizing the, lo the laws of physics and astrophysics and so forth. Well, guess what? After, uh, you know, Darwinism uh, had just kind of influenced a lot of science. And then you have Einstein and others believing that there's a steady state theory, which Einstein later admitted was his biggest mistake. Slugger, yeah. The idea that the universe is just eternal and never had a beginning. Well, guess what? The Hubble telescope showed that the universe is expanding, showed it had a beginning point, showed that space, time, and matter did not exist at one time. Therefore, the universe couldn't have created itself out of space, time, and matter. And somebody else had to create it. There was a cause, and that made many uh, physicists and ast you know, astronomers become creationists, by the way. Well, guess what? As soon as they recognized, wow, there was a beginning, does that all of a sudden make the beginning happen at that point? It's another illustration we use, which when you mentioned yeah. the heavens and the earth, I thought, I can't believe you said that because I was thinking of another illustration is just that. Guess what? There was always a beginning to the universe, whether you recognize it later or not. That's not when the beginning, it became accepted then. But guess what? The beginning was the beginning when the beginning happened. Amen. The word of God is the word of God when the word of God happened. And I'm sorry. Wait, would it end how we started, man? Pounding the desk again. No, no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, we're shaking you here, hopefully, with the word of God. And, and, I, you know, it's so funny because my, my goal was to get through 2 Timothy 2. You uh, have to at least read the rest or, of it, bro. Um, you have, yeah. And expound on at least a minute, bro. <laughs> okay. So, so I wanted to point this out because, as we said, this is the living eulogy of, of Paul writing to Timothy. And remember the beginning of 2 Timothy 3. Yeah. For difficult times will come. That's right. And then you hear all of these things, you know, realizing the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant. You, you guys know a lot of these texts, treacherous, you know, everything that's going last on days. in the last days. And then it talks about the persecutions that are going to come. Makes me think of Acts 20. That's for another message. Um, the persecutions that are going to come. And then, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus who suffer persecution. So the context of talking about what the word of God is by its nature is the perilous times that are going to come. I yep. think that's one of the most important things for us to understand because what will Timothy be told to hold on to? What are, is the thing that is going to keep him grounded? What is the thing that on Paul's dying words to his disciple, what is the very thing that he's going to have him hold on to? You know that the word of God, as it says in 15, by the way, able to save your souls, give me yep. a break. If you don't understand what God's able word is by nature, Amen. able to save your souls, and then 16, all scripture is theonistos, proper for teaching, for proof, for correction, for the training in, of, of, in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Amen. And that makes sure, guess what? Training in righteousness. Training this trains in righteousness. us how to live a right life. And by the way, and we'll end with yeah, this, because that, in yeah. chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, <laughs> he he's, Paul says going. that the word of Christ, you know, he, Paul says there to Timothy that there's going to be affliction, but he says to them that preach the word, which he just mentioned, is all these things Chad talked about, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For time will come when they'll not heed sound doctrine, but after their own lust, 
That's what's happening right now. Bethel and elsewhere, they'll heap themselves teachers that'll tickle the ears and tell them what they want to hear. And they'll be turned away from the truth and be turned unto fables, myth, or errors. But he says, Timothy, you continue to do the word of an evangelist and endure afflictions. So as things get worse, because Chad brought the prophetic into it, I know he's going there. Praise God. As things get worse, we need to hold the word of God, no matter how much it's mocked and not turn for it. Because guess what? Turn from it. Because as Jesus said, full circle now, will you two go away, Peter? Where will I go? You have the words of eternal life. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.